Welcome to BG Mania, a video game music podcast found right here at Level Down Games. I'm Brian, running solo on this episode. If you listen to the Max Level podcast, you'll know that Frank was unable to schedule time to record with me this week due to the ongoing crisis of Hurricane Florence on the East Coast, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. Uh, You know, the line of work he's in, he has to be ready for when things like that happen and he's on call all the time for in the uh, in the insurance business to where you know he's got to help people out so he was unable to uh, to schedule time to record on Saturday and because I'm now working again at the haunted house we're open again for the season uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher for the next couple months to move things around so the show must go on as they say Freddie Mercury probably said it best though uh, real quick though, BG Mania and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project. If you'd like to see it continue to grow and become something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of this podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us. Like we mentioned at the end of the show last week, this week we're doing our next composer deep dive. We're going to be exploring the life and catalog of one Mr. Koji Kondo. I am a little disappointed that Frank was unable to be on this show because I know he is a huge fan of Koji Kondo, just like I am. So we're actually going to be we're going to be doing something a little bit different here. Uh, There's still eight picks from me, eight picks from Frank. But the way that I decided to order this episode, we are going on a little bit of a journey through Koji Kondo's compositions, so to speak. So the opening track you heard there was the bonus stage music from Devil World, which was the very first game he ever worked on besides um, besides the well, no, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the first. Uh, the first game he ever worked on was Punch Out, the arcade version, which we did try to find a track from that. It, just, it didn't really it didn't sound good. Uh, he did sound effects for Golf in 84, sound programming for Famicom Basic in 84. Uh, but the actual first thing he ever composed, again, besides Punch Out, I said worked on, so uh, which is why I was wrong. But the first game he ever composed for the NES was Devil World, released in 1984 over in Japan, October 5th, 1984 to be exact. Europe would get it on July 15th, 1987. It was never released here in North America. According to Wikipedia, this is due to Nintendo of America's strict policies on the use of religious icons in games. So I read up a little bit about that. Again, this is all still from Wikipedia. Um, and And we'll just say here, this is pretty much why. So the player navigates through a series of mazes and touches crosses to power up and summon the ability to breathe fire and eat the dots in the maze. Devil World is basically a Pac Man clone. Uh, it's it's very much set up like Pac-Man. It, it works in the same fashion. Uh, I've never played this, but looking at screenshots, it's exactly what it is. Uh, as you move into after the first maze, first maze is cleared, and you move into the second one. The next objective is to get four Bibles and put them into a seal. The Bibles give Tagamon, Tamagon the same powers as with the crosses. After carrying them all into the seal, the devil flies to the next maze. Uh, in between, a bonus maze shows up, and that's the track that you just heard. <laughs> so, fun little track, though. Obviously, this is the uh, the first one that Koji Kondo actually worked on, and it's pretty freaking cool to uh, to hear that. Uh, throughout the episode, we will have some... Well, I will. I, again, I, I'm so saying we, but I'm, I'm solo on this episode. But uh, I, I will have some Koji Kondo facts, and we'll talk about the games and hopefully some memories that we have, too. But, well, like I said, this is going to be a journey through Koji Kondo's 
work. So we're starting from the very beginning and we're going all the way up to the most recent. Uh, we're still doing just 16 tracks, though. We are skipping a lot of stuff in between. So that being said, let's go ahead and move into our second track on today's episode. From the mysterious Murasame Castle, this is the stage theme. the stage theme from the mysterious Murasame Castle. This released on the Famicom Disk System, April 14th, 1986, over in Japan. Uh, a game that, again, would never release here in North America until just a couple years ago. Uh, it was put on the Nintendo 3DS as part of the NES Virtual Console. August 7th, 2014, it finally released here in North America on the Nintendo 3DS as part of that Virtual Console. Um, it's set up very much like The Legend of Zelda, so much so, in fact, that uh, this game, The Mysterious Murasame Castle, was one of the early games released for the Famicom Disk System, and it was the second original title after, funny enough, The Legend of Zelda. If you look at screenshots of it, uh, it looks very much like a, a Zelda game, though. Um, again, this is another game that I've never played. Uh, I, I knew that it was on the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console, but I've never had a chance to actually sit down, buy it, and play it. And, you know, that's the only way to do it legally, so just never had a chance to do that. But looking up some facts about Koji Kondo before we got started, I saw an interview that he did with Wired.com from back in 2007. So I'm going to be pulling a lot of things from this interview. But they asked him, what games did he play in college? And he responded saying that he played arcade games like Space Invaders, Donkey Kong 3, the Donkey Kong series in general. He said that there was a coffee shop he went to quite often that had uh, tabletop cocktail style arcade games. So he played a lot on those. And that's pretty much where he uh, where he fell in love with gaming and decided that, you know, he wanted to go do something with that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here after the next track. Um, as always, anytime Frank is not on an episode, it, it's kind of hard to um, it's kind of hard to carry a conversation by yourself and, you know, laugh and joke around. So I will I will I will obviously uh, continue talking and do my best. Normally on these episodes, I just introduce them in blocks. But because we're doing a composer deep dive, I want to come back after each track and talk about it. So uh, it will be a little bit different than how we've done other ones that Frank wasn't on before. But it's what it is. So we'll go ahead now and move into the next track. And we're going to be moving to Doki. Doki Panic. Yes, I know what you're thinking, but this music is not actually from uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. This is original to Doki Doki Panic. 
This track is Subcon's Freedom. Subcon's Freedom from Doki Doki Panic, a game that released on the Famicom Disk System July 10th, 1987 over in Japan. The original version of the game would never see release here in North America. However, a couple years later, we would get it as Super Mario Bros. 2. The original Super Mario Bros. 2, which was titled The Lost Levels, was supposedly too similar to the original game and Nintendo of Japan thought it would be too difficult for us over here in North America so they released Doki Doki Panic which was much easier and much more friendly to get into as Super Mario Brothers 2 here in the United States kind of kind of insulting when you think about it just a little bit because we would eventually get the lost levels as part of the um, SNES compilation of Mario games and while it was hard yes I don't think it was you know, too difficult for gamers here in North America. Kind of funny that they thought that, though. Um, eventually, what they did, though, the version of Doki Doki Panic that was released here as Super Mario Brothers 2, they would eventually release that over Japan as well as Super Mario USA. So Japan got to play that version, too. Again, composed by the wonderful, wonderful Koji Kondo, though. Uh, great piece of music, though. I went through both Super Mario Bros. 2 soundtrack and Doki Doki Panic soundtrack. A lot of similarities. Now, what I will say, what's fun, is that if you listen to one track that's the same on both games, there are still slight differences. Super Mario Bros. 2 adds different things to the tracks. Sometimes, whether that's a, a simple bass line or just something slightly different. Um, Doki Doki Panic's tracks are a lot... Are, are more shallow, but I, I don't want to say shallow because that sometimes comes off as a negative, but they just don't have as much going on for them as, as Super Mario Bros. 2 did. So Koji Kondo put more work into that version, which is kind of neat. Um, going back to some facts about Mr. Kondo, though, uh, they again, this is still from that Wired.com interview. They asked him when he when he entered Nintendo and what was his first jobs there. We kind of talked about that a little bit when we got started, but let's see what he had to say. Uh, Koji Kondo said he graduated from university in 1984 and he found his way to Nintendo by looking at the school's job placement board. He said that you're supposed to apply to many different companies, but he saw the Nintendo ad and had a love of making synthesizers and loved games and thought that's the place for me. He interviewed with one company, Nintendo, and that's where he's been ever since, and still to this day, which is kind of neat. So, pretty cool there. Uh, I, Again, like I said, I've never played the original Doki Doki Panic, but uh, I, I think if it was ever released in North America, that, that is something I would absolutely want to do. Uh, I would love to play that, but I just don't think they will, because some of the things that was in the game were uh, kind of controversial as well. 
in terms of of how we view things here and you know just cultural differences especially now here in 2018 so we'll have to we'll probably never get an english version of that uh we're gonna go ahead and move into track number four on today's episode though and this comes from volume one of shin onigashima this track is on the path to the mountain That was On the Path to the Mountain from Shin Onigashima, Volume 1. So, yes, I'm saying Volume 1 because Shin Onigashima was released as Volume 1 and Volume 2 for the Famicom Disk System. Volume 1, which is Disc 1, released in Japan September 4th, 1987. And again, composed by the legendary Koji Kondo. Um, Another series and set of games that was never released here in North America. Uh, It would eventually be ported to the Game Boy Advance in Japan in 2004 and released on the Wii Virtual Console in Japan in 2007. But again, there is no official North American version. Uh, This is an adventure visual novel game. This is a game that I would absolutely love to check out and play. I kind of wish there was an American version of this because I would absolutely play this. Uh, Listening to the soundtracks for Shinonogashima Volume 1 and 2... During, you know, in preparation for this episode, really surprised me. The music in it's very, very good. So I, I would absolutely love to um, to play these games. But let's talk some Koji Kondo again. Obviously, he composed it. Uh, Wired asked him what his musical influences are. And Koji responded by saying that in middle school, he was into hard rock. Deep Purple, yes. Uh, in high school, he was into jazz and fusion, such as Cassiopeia, Shikaria, and Herbie Hancock. So he took those influences, specifically Deep Purple and Yes, and fused those into his music in terms of compositions for video games. And now, now that you know that, you some of you probably already did know that, but you can hear it. You can hear the psychedelic influences in some of his music. And I think that's really, really neat. So, um, you know, Koji Kondo has always been always been one of my favorites ever since the original Super Mario Brothers when we first heard that uh, as, as a kid man just listen to that music I've, I've been hooked ever since uh, and, and of course his compositions with The Legend of Zelda which we'll hear some from in a bit um, 
really solidified my love for that franchise. The reason we didn't play anything from the original Legend of Zelda or, you know, anything like that, because we've already played all the tracks from that game. And as we always say here at BG Mania, we try not to repeat tracks until we absolutely have to. There's so many good tracks out there in the video game industry. So many things that deserve to be highlighted, showcased, played. There's no need for us to repeat tracks unless we absolutely have to, except for on rare occasions like we did with our anniversary episode. So we'll go ahead and move into our next track now, though, and it's from Volume 2, funny enough, from Shin Onigashima. This track is the ending. was the ending from Shin Onigashima Volume 2. This was released in Japan September 30th, 1987. Obviously, this never released here either, as we just talked about. Uh, crazy, though, this released 26 days after Volume 1 of Shin Onigashima. So there, was, there wasn't even a full month gap between the two releases on the Famicom Disk System over in Japan. So fans of the first didn't have to wait long to play the second. <laughs> um, fitting, though, fitting track for an ending theme. I really like this a lot. Uh, I, I think it's a fantastic piece of music. Uh, there's there's a lot of good stuff in Volume 2 of Shin Onigashima, but this one stuck out to me most when listening to it, so I had to make sure to pick this one. Um, let's go back and talk some more about Koji Kondo, though. Wired asked him what was the first piece of music that he ever composed for the original Super Mario Brothers, and Koji Kondo said that it was the underwater music. So they followed up and asked him why was that one the first. And he said that it's easiest to imagine the kind of music you want for underwater. But the above ground music, he had to rewrite again and again and again. So they followed up and said, well, what was your goal for that main theme then if you had to write it again and again and again? And he said, first off, it had to fit the game the best, enhance the gameplay and make it more enjoyable. Not just sit there and be something that plays while you play the game, but is actually a part of the game. As he'd create a piece of music, he'd set it aside and start working on another one and then notice that something didn't fit. So he'd go back to it and fix it. And so all of his rewriting and recomposing was self-motivated. It was never told like he would never submitted it and Nintendo never told him he had to redo it. He always just realized it himself that, hey, I could do this better and and better. He did. Obviously, what a fantastic game that ended up being soundtrack wise. Uh, one of the most memorable ones of all time. So that's pretty freaking cool there. But we're going to move into now. Speaking of Mario, I think it's time 
We've got a <laughs> we got a lot of Mario going moving forward. Obviously, Koji Kondo is synonymous with Mario, so we've got a lot of Mario moving forward, but not just Mario. But our first Mario track here, unless you count Doki Doki Panic as Mario, which I don't because that track is exclusive to the Japanese version of Doki Doki Panic. This is from Super Mario Brothers 3. Frank picked this one. I, man, I, I keep forget. I forgot to actually say who picked what. So Frank picked the track from Devil World. I picked the one from I picked the, the previous four. He picked the one from Devil World. The, and then I picked Mysterious Murasame Castle, Doki Doki Panic, Shin Onigashima, uh, Shin Onigashima Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, and then Frank picked this next one here from Super Mario Brothers 3. This is The Pipe Maze. And that was the pipe maze from Super Mario Brothers 3 on the NES. Now, obviously, we would see this one here in North America as well. Over in Japan, it would release October 23rd, 1988. Here in North America, we got it February 12th, 1990. Listening to that track, you can really hear some of those influences we just talked about a few minutes ago. Uh, man, it's so good. That is a good piece of music. There, I'm surprised we actually didn't play that one. Uh, in our very first episode, because uh, episode one of BG Mania looked at music from Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3. So I'm surprised we actually didn't play that track from um, from Mario 3 in that game in, in that episode, because that is a fantastic piece of music. So kudos to Frank for uh, for making sure we got that one into the uh, into the show. Uh, fun piece of music, though. We'll go back and we'll talk a little bit about Koji Kondo again now, though. They asked him what it was like working on the very first Legend of Zelda in comparison with Super Mario Brothers. And Koji Kondo had said that the first Zelda with Mario, the music is inspired by the game controls and its purpose is to heighten the feeling of how the game actually plays. With Zelda, he was trying to enhance the atmosphere of the environments and the locations. The sound of Mario is kind of like popular music and Zelda is like a kind of music you've never heard before. So he tried to incorporate many different types of music to create an otherworldly feel and that's pretty freaking cool that's actually really cool so obviously and then that would just you know skyrocket into so many different things for the zelda franchise that uh we would be, come to know and love and absolutely adore to this day so pretty neat pretty neat there 
We'll go ahead and now move into our first Super Nintendo game on today's episode. We're moving away from the NES. We had six tracks, obviously, from the NES. So now we're moving into the Super Nintendo. And crazy enough, this is the only Super Nintendo track we have on the episode today. From Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, which was one of my picks, this is the mini boss. was the mini boss music from Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. This released in Japan August 1995. We would see it here in North America just two months later, October 1995, again on the Super Nintendo. What a fun freaking piece of music that is. That one is so just that one's jolly, man. I like that one, even though it's supposed to have this like I guess kind of like a threatening feel. It is the mini boss music. I love that piece of music. It's so good. Uh, it, it just it brings a smile to my face every time I hear that. Um, it was crazy, obviously, when we heard, when we had a fan submission from Yoshi's Island a couple months back because we had never played music from this game before. Um, and, and that's a crying shame because this, this game has some incredible music to it. Obviously, it's Koji Kondo. He has everything he does is good for the most part. So uh, just another fun piece of music, though, man, just exploring his catalog. Um, I found another interview that... Koji Kondo did back from 2001 on a website called Shmuplations. Uh, this is I, I've never even seen this website before or heard of it, but uh, I, I was looking around and found another interview where you could pull some pull some stuff from. So he had said that uh, they that whoever conducted this interview, I have no idea. They asked him when he got to high school, did he start feeling the pressure about what he was going to be doing with his future? 
And he responded that, yeah, he said his parents bought him a synthesizer during high school, the Yamaha CS30. It had an eight-step sequencer as well. He said the CS30 was an analog synthesizer, so you could do things like filter sweeps on the oscillators. He was really interested in sound design, making a sound that sounded like a lion's roar, for instance. It sounded pretty real, and he would proudly show off his patches to everyone. He loved figuring things out by twiddling knobs on analog synthesizers, and he thought it was awesome how many different sounds it could produce. At this time, more than an electone player or pianist, he saw himself working in sound effects. Uh, He was also potentially interested in becoming a mixing engineer. With those goals in mind, he ended up enrolling in the Osaka School of Arts, where he took place in the Fine Arts program. Uh, So that's actually pretty cool where, you know, and then obviously he would obviously fall in love with games and, you know, the rest is history. So, yes, we are saying these facts a little bit out of order, but that is okay. (laughs) We'll go ahead now and move into our next piece of music, though. We're still sticking with Mario, but, but we're moving on to the Nintendo 64 from Super Mario 64. This is another one of Frank's picks. This is Powerful Mario. Powerful Mario from Super Mario 64. Released in Japan June 23rd, 1996 here in North America. We'd see it day and date with the release of the Nintendo 64. September 29th, 1996. It was one of the original two games that I had for the Super uh, for the uh, Nintendo 64. That and Cruisin' USA. But I did spend most of my time with Super Mario 64. Let's be real. Uh... I can close my eyes listening to that piece of music. I can close my eyes and I can literally picture Mario putting on that cap with the wings and soaring through the air, getting them red coins and that and that stage above the above the castle. Such a nostalgic piece of music for me. Mario 64 still to this day, even with Super Mario Odyssey being as good as it is, Super Mario 64 is still my favorite Mario game of all time. And I don't think anything's ever going to top that just because of the nostalgic factor. It's such a good game, and the soundtrack is so good. And luckily, there's still a few more tracks we haven't played from this game, so you still will hear some Mario 64 in the future. But my god, man, this game is so freaking good. I just absolutely love it. Um, Back to the interview from Shmuplations. They asked Koji Kondo what was the pace like for writing songs back in the day, and how long did it take him for each one? 
He responded that it depended on the song, but on the long side, it might take him about a week to compose a track. On the short side, he said he might be able to finish one in just a matter of minutes. Uh, he said that didn't necessarily take into account all the time spent at his home trying to come up with a good idea, though. So it's crazy that some of these, like potentially that track we heard at the start, you know, it was only 17 seconds. The uh, the bonus stage from Devil World. That's something he could probably have done in just a matter of minutes. Whereas, you know, some of the things that we're about to see and about to hear weeks, maybe even months to compose just because of how, um, you know, of how complex they do end up becoming. So uh, one thing that I, I neglected to say at the start of the episode, and I, I do think we need to say that now, Koji Kondo was born August 13th, 1961 in the, uh, in, in the in Nagoya, Japan. So um, we forgot his birthday and his data, you know, in his birthplace. So, uh, you know, shame on me. <laughs> but uh, all right, we'll move into our next piece of music. Now we're sticking with the Nintendo 64 for just a little bit. So we're going to move into Star Fox 64. Now this track, another one of my picks. This is Destinations. That was Destinations from Star Fox 64. Released April 27th, 1997 over in Japan. We would see it here in North America June 30th, 1997. Again, we're always talking about Koji Kondo. This entire episode is dedicated to Mr. Koji Kondo. This really, to me, listening to this track sounds so much like the airship theme from Mario Brothers. And... I want to say that I knew that and recognized that in the past, but it really stuck out to me just now listening to this track uh, during this episode. I don't know, man, just something about it 
Uh, Star Fox 64 was a fan freaking tastic game. I remember getting the the VHS in the mail. I had a subscription to Nintendo Power. I had a subscription to Nintendo Power for the longest time. Uh, I, I believe I had I believe I had a subscription when it expired, uh, which reminds me, I need to sign up for Nintendo Force, which is the uh, the Patreon Nintendo magazine. Uh, I'm disappointed with myself. I haven't done that yet. But um, I remember getting the VHS in the mail for Star Fox 64 and watching that thing and just being in absolute awe and in love with the game. Uh, as soon as it came out, I ran my bike. I, I rode my bike down to the nearest uh, video store again. This was uh, called First Row Video in the town that I lived in. Uh, I lived about a mile away, so I rode my bike there, rented Star Fox 64. It came with the rumble pack, so the rental did because the game actually, you know, came with it as well, and it, uh, it was almost required. Um, I guess it wasn't required, but it, it made the game a lot more enjoyable, and that was the first time we ever had something like that. But uh, I fell in love with the game, and, and immediately, I mean, I, I had to, I bought it, like, a couple months later using some of my um, allowance money. So, yeah, Star Fox 64 was, was a great freaking game, and I absolutely loved it. But, Koji Kondo time. So, Schmoplations.com asked him, with the Nintendo 64, the sounds available to you changed yet again. We are guessing the way you made game music also changed, and Koji Kondo responded, yes, the very way we, the very way I composed changed entirely. I no longer needed to do sound programming. I could focus entirely on the music composition. Even at the end of the Super Famicom era, I was still doing sound programming, but with the Nintendo 64, that work became too complex. We hired a new person who had studied sound programming at college and he handled the programming side. Uh, they then followed up and asked, were there also hardware limitations with the Nintendo 64? And he responded that there were, yes. There were limitations on the number of sounds you could have played simultaneously. It fluctuated depending on the demands of the given scene, but in general, it was about 16 simultaneous sounds. So that's pretty cool. That's actually neat to think about, that uh, the, the Nintendo 64 was capable of 16 simultaneous sounds and nothing more. So interesting to think about when you think of the games that were on the N64. That being said, though, we'll go ahead and move into our 10th track on the episode today. I think it's about time we move into some Legend of Zelda stuff. We're still sticking to the Nintendo 64, though. From the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, this is Zora's Domain. Thank you. 
And that was the Zora's Domain from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. This released in Japan November 21st, 1998. We would see it here in North America just two days later, November 23rd, 1998. Just in time for the uh, holiday rush of Black Friday and Christmas time. Man, I remember getting this game on Christmas Day in 1998, and uh, I don't think I stopped playing it that entire day. And I don't even think... Uh, just because I was so, once I made it to Hyrule Field and how massive this game felt to me at the time, you know, being being a teenager and playing through one of these games, which this is still to this day, my favorite Zelda game of all time. And it just felt so open at the time. It was just crazy. Um, I don't even think I made it probably a third of the way into the game. And I played for probably 15, 20 hours on Christmas Day uh, of Ocarina of Time. It was so freaking good. But uh, yeah, again, we're talking Koji Kondo. This was composed by Koji Kondo. So let's talk a little bit of some Zelda stuff. So this is obviously not Ocarina of Time, but I did think this fact was kind of fun to uh, to mention here. Uh, Wired asked Koji Kondo, why did he why did you ultimately decide not to include a full orchestra in the music for Twilight Princess? Is it because it didn't fit with the gameplay in that sense? Koji Kondo responded, that is one reason. At the beginning, it was on the table, but we didn't think it would be any more impactful or have any benefit over not having it. If we had found a way that a full orchestrated score would have made the game better, we might have done it. So pretty interesting to think about there. Uh, obviously, this is not Twilight Princess. Uh, we didn't pick anything from, um, from from Twilight Princess, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Because this isn't the oldest. This isn't the only Zelda track that we have. So Ocarina of Time. That was my pick. Star Fox 64. That was my pick. Let's move into another one of Frank's pick. We actually have a block of Frank picks here. So from The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. This is the Magic Hags Potion Shop. was the Magic Hags Potion Shop from The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Very uh, fitting for the season that we're about to come into here. We're obviously in the uh, the fall season. I've already mentioned I'm back working at the Haunted House. We are open for the season. Uh, if you're in the uh, northeastern Ohio area, feel free to come out to the Forest of Screams. It's a lot of fun. But uh, 
No, man, it's, it just sounds very Halloweeny, and and I do like this piece of music a lot. So, uh, so kudos to Frank for picking this one. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask released on the Nintendo 64, April 27th, 2000 in Japan. We would see it a couple months later, October 26, 2000 here in North America, just in time for Halloween, uh, which made perfect sense because this is one of the creepiest and darkest Zelda games of all time, and uh, it just it, it's freaking cool, man. It's it's a good freaking game. So going back to the uh, shmuplations.com interview with Koji Kondo, they actually asked him in Majora's Mask, the characters wear masks and start playing instruments. There's something very rock and roll about Majora's Mask. Music is central to the experience. And Koji Kondo responded that when we were thinking about what to do for Majora's Mask and what would be the most Zelda-ish thing, I suggested that instead of traditional magic spells, it would be more fitting to have instruments that cause different effects depending on the melodies that you play. So that's kind of neat to think about. Uh, they also asked him... Um, they also asked him about some of the stuff with Ocarina of Time here. One little thing that I thought was interesting was that they asked, um, they, well, they said that music is featured so heavily in Ocarina of Time that in one sense, you could safely call the game a musical. When composing for the Zelda series, what kind of image do you have in your mind? Koji Kondo responded, open, grasslands, the feeling of running or rushing through open spaces. But with Zelda, he didn't go for conventional chord structures, but instead focused more on the atmosphere. So that's kind of neat to think about, too. Uh, we're going to move on from the Nintendo 64 now. We're going to move on to the Wii. So we're skipping the GameCube entirely. We're moving on to the Nintendo Wii. We have a pick from Frank from Super Mario Galaxy 2. This one here is Bowser Jr.'s Fiery Flotilla. was Bowser Jr.'s Fiery Flotilla from Super Mario Galaxy 2. What a fun piece of music that is. That is a good one. I, I really enjoy that. 
Super Mario Galaxy 2, as we mentioned, it released on the Nintendo Wii uh, May 23rd, 2010 here in North America. And just a couple days later, May 27th, 2010, over in Japan. Uh, Koji Kondo was not the only composer on Super Mario Galaxy 2. If you remember from our Mario Galaxy 2 episode, uh, it also had Mahito Yokoda and Ryo Nagamatsu on the compositions as well. But uh, we were able to find a breakdown and Koji Kondo for sure composed that track there. Bowser Jr.'s fiery flotilla <laughs> featuring Gizmo in the background as he uh, as he coughs and hacks up a lung. Uh, he, I just realized he was sitting behind me. Uh, the interview from shmuplations.com, they asked Koji Kondo, since joining Nintendo over 16 years ago, you've composed hundreds of songs. Do you have a personal favorite? He had said that he actually has several favorites from each game, but one in particular from Majora's Mask always sticks out to him, and that would be the mayor's meeting theme. At the very last minute, just before the deadline, he was asked to change the mood of what he had written, and he had very, very little memory to work with. He said it's one of the songs he hears and thinks, yeah, I nailed that. I think it really fits the feeling of a conference or a meeting. So that's actually kind of cool that uh, because of the, you know, the circumstance of what happened there with the uh, the mayor's meeting theme, that ended up being one of his favorites because of the feeling that he gets when hearing it and just knowing how good it ended up being. So pretty freaking cool. I, I, I do like that a lot. All right. I think it's time to move on to a game that I've been excited to feature uh, on an episode at some point in the future. And it just so happens to be the Koji Kondo episode. We're going to move on to the Wii U now, and we're going to be taking a look at two tracks from Super Mario Maker. The first one here comes to us from Frank. This one is the title theme. That was the title theme from Super Mario Maker. Again, Super Mario Maker released on the Wii U and, and technically Nintendo 3DS, but it first came out on the Wii U Japan September 10th, 2015. We'd see it here in North America one day later, September 11th, 2015. And then the Nintendo 3DS version, it released in Japan December 1st, 2016. Again, North America one day later on December 2nd, 2016. What 
the reason that I was excited to get into Super Mario Maker at one point, and, and obviously in, in the episodes of BG Mania, I'll get to after our next track. But this little fun fact has nothing to do with Koji Kondo, but I found this when researching for the episode, and I thought this was really cool, so I wanted to talk about it for a minute. Did you know that Super Mario Maker started out as a revamped Mario Paint game, and it was planned to take full advantage of the Wii U's gamepad. However, they also wanted to take the Super Mario Brothers toolset used to design levels and moved it over to the Wii U gamepad to make levels easier to create with the touchscreen. So before this became Super Mario Maker, we could have potentially had a new Super Mario, or I'm sorry, not a new Super Mario Paint, but a new Mario Paint game on the Wii U. And I'm kind of surprised now that I read that. It never even occurred to me that there was never, you know, that Mario Paint was such a good fit for a sequel on the Wii U. I'm surprised it never happened, but it was, you know, kind of wound up into a ball and put in the uh, in the Super Mario Maker type stuff. So much so that uh, much like Mario Paint, tapping the letters on the game's title screen, and since this, this is the title screen music, will produce unique effects. So you can tap different letters on the title screen and it'll cause things like invincibility stars to drop out or multicolored stars to rain out from the background. Uh, you could stretch upwards, just do so many different things, make a Koopa clown car appear. So they just had a lot of fun with it. And I, I thought that was kind of neat. But uh, again, like I said, I want to talk about why I was excited to get into Super Mario Maker. But before we do that, let's listen to the next piece of music again from Super Mario Maker. This is one of my picks. The one before that was Frank's pick. This is one of my picks. This one here is the Super Mario Brothers Ghost House Music. was the ghost house theme from Super Mario Maker. What I really like about this is that the way Super Mario Maker worked, you could design all of these stages and have them set graphically to a certain number of different Mario styles, whether that was, you know, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario World, the new Super Mario Brothers part. You were able to do all these different things. Because of that, 
Koji Kondo had to go in and compose music like this ghost house theme for Super Mario Brothers because you could actually design a ghost house aesthetically to look like it was from the original Mario Brothers game. A game that did not feature a ghost house, so there would be no music on top of that. So we have some new 8-bit compositions from Koji Kondo in Super Mario Maker. And I just thought that was so freaking cool when I found that out that um, that he was going to have to do that because of the way the game actually lets players design stages that may not have been able to be done previously. So I always thought that was really cool. So that's why I wanted to explore the Super Mario Maker soundtrack to incorporate some of these tracks into our show. And this is not going to be the last time you hear music from Super Mario Maker because there's a few other examples I would like to use at, uh, at some point in the future. I just don't know when. So, pretty neat though. Our, that's my last pick. Our last two picks of the episode come from Frank. So, let's go ahead and move into our next track from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. This is the Battle Stadium. was the Battle Stadium from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Mario Kart 8 originally released on the Wii U May 29th, 2014 over in Japan. We would see it the next day, May 30th, 2014 here in North America. Notice the trend always the next day. The uh, Nintendo Switch version was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, though. That did release worldwide April 28th, 2017. So a year and a half ago. Man, we're probably looking at um, Mario Kart 9 in the next year or two. If you, uh, if you think about it, because Mario Kart 8 is technically over four years old now. So uh, I'm sure Mario Kart, I'm sure the next iteration of Mario Kart is well underway. I, I'm assuming they're going to have a console version 
to go alongside the mobile version when that does come out. Uh, what is it, Mario Kart World Tour or something that's coming on mobile phones? Uh, I, I'm assuming much like Animal Crossing Pocket Camp that there will be a console version of the game that's not Mario Kart 8. There will probably have to be a new one uh, to be released alongside that or shortly thereafter. So another good pick by uh, Frank, though. That's a fun track. I really like it. And obviously Mario Kart 8 Deluxe brought back a lot of, you know, a lot of what people wanted from Mario Kart 8. You know, it, it added a whole revamped battle mode and just I don't know. It, it was just a better game, I think. It, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was a better game than the original Mario Kart 8, so that's pretty freaking cool. Our last track we're going to be listening to as we get out of the episode today, we have another pick from Frank from Super Mario Odyssey. It is Robo Brood Battle. Super Mario Odyssey released on the Nintendo Switch October 27th, 2017 worldwide. Uh, three composers on that one, Naoto Kubo, Shiho Fuji, and Koji Kondo, of course. Obviously, this episode is a deep dive into Koji Kondo's career uh, from start to finish, as I said. So we started in uh, 1984 with Devil World, and we're finishing in 2017 with, uh, with Super Mario Odyssey which, if I'm not mistaken, is the last... No, because he did some work on... Um, no, 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 actually, he didn't. I was going to say he's credited on Mario Tennis Aces, but uh, he was just a supervisor on that. So Super Mario Odyssey is his last composition that we have and that, he, that he's worked on so far to date. So that's pretty interesting. Before we get out of here, though, I do want to close out with one more thing. Back to the Wired.com interview with him, they asked him, what is your job like now? Do you do much composition these days? And he responded, A lot of my time right now is spent checking on the work of the staff and managing them. As far as composition, I did the above ground theme in New Super Mario Brothers. Remember, this interview was like 11 years ago. And the music from the demo scene in Twilight Princess. So they followed up and asked him if he would like to go back and compose the whole soundtrack to a game one of these days, or if he is happy to be done with that. And he said that he would definitely like to go back and do something like that again. So obviously, you know, he's still active i mean like i said this interview was 11 years ago since that interview posted i mean he's done quite a few compositions if we just look here he did in 2010 super mario galaxy 2 in uh, 2011 the star fox 64 3d uh he did the prologue for the legend of zelda skyward sword uh the legend of zelda the wind waker hd obviously was a reused soundtrack that he worked on he did the soundtrack for super mario 3d world in 2013 uh and super mario maker 2015 and then Super Mario Odyssey in 2017. But since then, none of those none of those that we just mentioned has been entirely him. So he hasn't done a complete soundtrack by himself since that interview posted. So that hasn't happened yet in 11 years. Crazy to think about. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that is going to be the end of our deep dive into the wonderful and legendary career of Mr. Koji Kondo arguably one of the best video game composers of all time, definitely one of the most well-known, uh, and, and definitely probably the most renowned over at Nintendo. So uh, this was a lot of fun. We definitely will, like I said, we have so many composers on the on the shortlist to do deep dives into in the future, but uh, I would love to revisit Koji Kondo at some point um, in the future as well, just because there's so many more great games that we didn't pick from, so many more pieces of music that we could highlight that he's worked on. Uh, he, he's just had an incredible career, and it's just it's awesome that, uh, for the most part, we, people like myself have been able to grow up with him, grow up with his music, and, and follow it. So it's been freaking really cool. 
Um, but yes, like I said, that is going to do it for this episode today. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Remember to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to BG Mania at leveldowngames.com, especially for that thankful episode we have coming up in November, on November 22nd, for Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Uh, we are going to be featuring, hopefully, 16 tracks from... It's just a fan-submitted episode. Uh, we have three. We have three submissions right now. So we're still looking for, you know, 13 more. Um, feel free to, when you, when you do submit them in, feel free to include a little personal story behind it. Uh, we just want a heartfelt episode. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, oh, and we also need a track, a submission for a radio hour next week. So if you're listening to this on the day that it posts, either Wednesday or Thursday, because we record these episodes on Saturday. So if you're listening to this, uh, well, or Friday, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of the week it posts. So that would be the 19th, 20th, or 21st. Email us, bgmania at leveldowngames.com, or you can contact me directly, brian at leveldowngames.com, with a track submission. Because like I said, we need a, we need a fan submission for Radio R this, this coming up week. Uh, we, have, we don't have one. We've used them all, so... Uh, if you don't submit one, then Jessica will just have two picks. So either way, it works out well. Regardless of where you're enjoying this content, be sure to share your support by leaving a review. And if you aren't already, subscribe on YouTube. Reviews definitely help us grow in terms of the charts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. So if you're listening to this and you haven't left us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate it if you drop us a five-star rating, plus leave us a review. It would definitely mean the world to us. You can also follow us over at twitch.tv slash leveldowngames for all the live streams and event coverage, and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you want to follow us across social media. Check that description box for the appropriate links. Next week, I've already mentioned it, but it's the end of the month, so we're going to have Radio Hour Volume 15. Taking us out of this episode once again, we have the Robo Brood Battle from Super Mario Odyssey. Keep the music playing and keep it loud. <laughs>